Good morning, everyone. It's uh, good to have you here with us this morning for our service, Forest Fold. Big welcome. Any visitors? And uh, if you're joining us online, big welcome to you too. Let me start with some verses from Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And uh, whether you've been with us for a short time or a long time, hopefully you have got the message that our first priority as we meet together is to worship God. It's all about him. It's all about his greatness. And as we've been looking through Luke looking at the teaching of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus. It's all about Jesus from beginning to end. And we want to make the most of him as we come to worship him. And in our first song, tries to attempt to do that, to make a lot of Jesus. And the chorus uses different phrases to help us to express our worship to him. Beautiful saviour, wonderful counsellor, Clothed in majesty, Lord of history, you're the way, the truth, the life, star of the morning, glorious in holiness. You're the risen one, heaven's champion, and you reign, you reign over all. So let's join in worship as we sing our first song together.
We're going to read our Bible passage this morning that John will be preaching from a little bit later. And we are still in Luke, Luke chapter 24, and that's on page 885. And we're really encouraging you to start using the Bibles again. It's really helpful, especially during the sermon, to be following along other references that are mentioned. And uh, it's helpful, so feel free to use the Bibles. We're on page 885, and we're reading Luke chapter 24, verse 13 to 35. Last week we had the the great news, he is not here, he has risen, an empty tomb. And uh, slowly the word's getting around to people and meeting Jesus and we join a couple of people today who meet Jesus. Luke 24 verse 13. That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Well, we're going to sing our next hymn, and then the children are coming up to the front for the children's talk that Martin will lead us in. So our second hymn 
is glory to Jesus, risen, conquering son. Endless is the victory over death you won. Great, well, it's nice to see you. Brilliant, that's it, come down. Fantastic. Well, sometimes we are in a dangerous position, aren't we? Sometimes we, we have to do things that are dangerous, and we need to be kept safe. Can anyone think of anything that they might use to keep themselves from danger, keep themselves safe from being hurt? Any ideas? Any thoughts? Oh no. 
We've got to get you going somehow, haven't we? Right. Perhaps we'll do this as a, an example. Has anyone got one of these at home or something similar? Well, I know you've got one, oh, Manny, because this is from your house, isn't it? Flynn, have you, have you got one of these at home? Yeah. What do you use it for? Gardening. So stop yourself getting prickled. So you could use a glove to keep your hand safe from being prickled, can't you? What else might you use to keep your hand safe? A log burner, yes. So you can touch the fire with this and it won't burn you. What else might you use? What other time might you use a glove to keep you safe? Hey? Stop being cold, yeah? You can get cold, but that probably doesn't do a lot of harm unless you're in the Antarctica. Perhaps you're, you, when you're doing some cooking, do you use an oven glove then? Right, now you start thinking, can you come up with a thing that might keep you safe? A gun. <laughs> yeah, hopefully in this country we don't need a gun to keep us safe, do we? Eh? Hopefully. Unless there was something going to attack us. Yeah, like a wild animal. Yeah. Well, perhaps one of these. I wondered if one of you might mention one of these. How many of you got these? Oh, you've all got one of them. Why do you wear these then? Why do you wear these? When you're on your bike, yeah, absolutely. It's hopefully, if you fall off, it will keep you safe. It will keep your head from being um, hurting yourself, banging your head. How many of you wear these? Ah, okay. I know. Well, Mum, Jane always has to remind me to put mine on because when I was a boy, we didn't wear these. But actually, if I fell off my bike and I didn't have this on, it'd be a bit daft, wouldn't it? So I might as well keep my head safe. Now, I want to tell you a story, okay? And it's a story from the Bible. It's a story from the Old Testament. And it involves some people, okay, who were slaves. And these people were slaves in a place called Egypt. And these people were special people. They were God's people, okay? But the Egyptians, they didn't like them. They used them to do all their hard work. And... It was a hard life. And they were upset with the pain that they had to go through. And God heard, he saw the pain they were in, and he decided that he was going to release them. He was going to free them from slavery. He was going to take them out of Egypt. Okay. But the king of Egypt, the pharaoh, he didn't want to let them go. Why would he want to lose all his workforce? He wanted to keep them. So God had to teach him a lesson. God had to teach him who he was. God had to teach the king of of Egypt, the Pharaoh, who God was. And he sent some plagues. Now, does anyone here remember any of the plagues? Or does anyone remember how many there were? There was ten. Okay, let's see how many of the ten we can get very quickly. Brilliant. So we've got number one, okay, the river turning into blood, and we've got the angel of death um, at the end, number ten. Well done, that's two of them. We've got darkness, frogs, gnats, brilliant. No? A locust, yeah, locust number eight, darkness was number nine. You've done very well, haven't you, out of the ten. One more? Boils, yeah, there was boils as well. And each of these things, okay, God was teaching the Pharaoh, who he was, and he wanted him to let his his children go. Now, it got to the last one. What did we say number 10 was? Can you remember? What was the last one? Jess? The angel of death, okay. 
And God warned Moses. He said to Moses, in ten days' time, okay, I'm going to send this judgment on Egypt. And it's going to affect all of you. Because not all the plagues affected the children of Israel. People, God's people. But this one's going to affect everyone. So in ten days' time, okay, I'm going to send the angel of death. And the angel of death is going to go through the country and it's going to kill the oldest person in the family, the oldest child. Put your hand up here if you're one of the oldest childs. Are you an old? I don't know. We haven't got any oldest ones, have we? Wow, so you, oh, you're the oldest child. Oh dear. It would have affected you if you lived in Egypt all those thousands of years ago, okay? Everyone else, you wouldn't, you wouldn't worry too much, would you? What happens if you lose your brother and sister, your oldest brother and sister? Would that affect you? Yeah? It might be your dad. Your dad might be the oldest person in their family. Ooh. That changes it a little bit, doesn't it? But, okay, but, to keep you safe, I want you to do something. Okay, I want you... Who's the tallest person here? Probably Flo. Come on, Flo. I want you to get a paintbrush, okay? Because you've got to get some blood, yeah? We've got to get some blood. This is my blood, okay? We've got to get some blood. Do you want to just dip your paintbrush into the blood? Ooh, yeah, that's it. I'll get into trouble if you have too much on there. And can you go and paint it where you think the children of Israel had to paint it? That's it, man. Go on, go on. Where do you think the children of Israel had to paint the blood? Oh, top of the door, that's it. And where else? That's it, down the side and down the other side. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah? So they had to take the blood of a lamb that they had slaughtered, that they had killed, and they were going to eat it. They had to take the blood, and they were going to paint the side of the thing. You can imagine the conversations, can't you? Why are you painting the door frame? We've got to leave. We've got to pack up. We've got to leave this place. Why are we painting the door? We're not going to come back to this house. We're not going to decorate it for someone else. Okay? Why are we putting blood on the door frame? Come on, come inside. Help me, help me to pack up what we're doing. But if we don't paint the door frame, that means someone in this house could die. Yeah, but not all the plagues have affected us, have they? You know, when it was darkness, it was light where we lived. When God sent the hail and it killed the animals, Okay, for those people who didn't put it away. None of our animals were killed. Um, We didn't have any flies. So how do we know it's going to affect us? But do we want to take the chance that we might lose our oldest son or our oldest daughter? Do we really want to take that chance? No, 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 no. Let's have another go. Go on, let's get this brush. Let's make sure there's some blood. We're not going to put anything. Go on, go and make sure there's some blood on the side. We want to make sure that the angel of death, when they come over, that's it, put lots of it on. That's it, you're painting the whole thing. They want to see, okay, that we are sheltering. We have put the blood on, thank you very much. We've put the blood on the doorposts so that we will be safe. Now, if I hadn't put the helmet on, I could have hurt my head. If they didn't put the blood round the door frame someone would have died in their house. Which is why it was important that they obeyed. Now, when I was thinking about things that keep us safe, there is nothing that will keep us safe from death. Nothing at all, okay? But there's a verse, 
okay, in the New Testament that says, now that we've been justified by his blood, what's that word justified mean? What's that word justified mean? I think we had it recently. Set free, okay. Well, it's just as if I'd never sinned. So the picture of putting the lamb's blood around the door was a picture of Jesus dying on the cross. And by him dying on the cross, he shed his blood, didn't he? And for all of us that would believe in him and ask for forgiveness, okay, he has promised to forgive us. So it's just as if I'd never sinned if we believe that Jesus will take the punishment by his death. And then we have the next part of the verse. Is someone willing to read the next part up? So we've now been justified by his blood. Go on, Annie. Much more shall we be saved by the from the wrath of God, from the anger of God. So if Jesus was willing to die, okay, and we come and ask for forgiveness, when we die, okay, and we meet God, we can be sure that he's not going to be angry with us. Okay? If Jesus was prepared to die... When we die, if we've asked for forgiveness, oh, no, 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 not letting them in. But you died for me. Yes. He died for you, so he's not going to say no. He will say, yes, that person has been saved from anger because they believed in me and they believe that my blood has taken the punishment from their sin. So, do you remember the, the brush? We went and got the big brush because we wanted to make sure, okay? And that's what I want to say to you children, is that you need to make sure that you have asked Jesus to forgive you, that you trust in his death, um, that you will be saved from that anger, from God's anger when you die. There's nothing I can say to you that will stop you dying. We're all going to die, but when we die, when we meet God, we want to be safe because Jesus is our friend. Let's just pray, shall we, very quickly before we go back. Father God, we ask that each of us, especially these children, will come to know you as their saviour and that they would trust you before they die. And when they go out and die, they will be in heaven with you forever. Amen. Amen. Shall we go and find your seats? Thank you, Martin. Well, let's pray together. Let's pray. Endless is the victory over death you won. Lord Jesus, we cannot calculate the effect and the power of your resurrection, of your death and your resurrection. It is endless. It is uncalculable. And Lord, for for that reason and many others, we bow in worship to you today. That in the genius of God and the power of God, you rescued us when we were in our sin in the most extraordinary way that you would hold back nothing not even your beloved son that he might become sin on our behalf take our sin take our punishment be that Passover lamb that through his blood we might be forgiven and to round it up to be raised from the dead breaking the power of death breaking the power of sin in our lives. Lord, what a great saviour you are. There is no one on the list beside you. There is just the one and only true and living God. And as we meet here this morning to worship you, that is what we declare. We thank you for your grace that has opened our eyes to your truth, 
that has brought us out of darkness into your wonderful light. That the same voice that spoke light into darkness at creation has spoken into our hearts to show to us the glory of Jesus. And Lord, our only acceptable response is to bow before you and to worship you all of our days. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, we our lives are full of so many good things. We have so many blessings. We thank you for each other as we meet here this morning. Lord, we thank you for our two youngest additions, for Esther and Bertie. Thank you for new life to our families and bless them at this time, we pray. And right through the whole age range, right through to, to old age, and we thank you that so many of us can look back over <clears throat> the events of our lives and we can say, what a faithful God we have. That through the difficult times, through the hard times, through the times when we have been at a loss to know what to decide to do or how to go on any further, we can look back so often and see that you have helped us. You have been our refuge. You have been our helper. You have been the one that has stayed with us when everything else around has run away and failed. So Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness toward us. In, in great contrast to our, our waywardness and our going astray and our slowness to learn and our quickness to doubt, oh Lord, forgive us, we pray. The, the relationship that we have with you is so unequal. And that's what's so wonderful about your grace, that you loved us in spite of what you saw we were and what you saw we would be. But thank you for your transforming work at work in us day by day. We believe, we hope, we pray for that as we walk our Christian lives, we might become more like Christ and walk closer with him, we pray. Lord, we, we pray for each other here and we thank you for the lives that you've given us the opportunities you've given us to serve you, the opportunities you've given us to learn, the blessings that you've given us in family life, in working life, in our church life. We thank you for the community that we live in and this part of the world. We thank you for peace. Thank you for plenty around us. Lord, you fill our cup to running over and we praise you for that this morning. Lord, we thank you for this past week. We thank you for the quiz night that seemed to go so well. Thank you for the clear message that Josh was able to give. And Lord, we thank you for the other events that are planned in the next coming months. And we pray for your great blessing on that, that as we use these opportunities to share the gospel, Lord, we ask that your spirit will be mightily at work, that it will be seed sown into hearts that will be good ground. Lord, we pray that the the power of the gospel will be greatly and mightily effective in this church, in surrounding churches who we partner with and indeed across this world. And as we seek to do our bit here to remain faithful to the, the truth in this um, ever ungodly world that we live in, help us to be faithful, help us to stand firm. And we pray that as the world looks at us, they will see... Um, the attractiveness of the gospel. Help us to live what we believe. Help us not to be hypocrites, but to live faithfully what is true. Lord, we pray this morning for um, Jackie in hospital with Amber May. Lord, we know how 
helped and supported she is through our prayers and our care towards her. Lord, we thank you for the way that you have helped her. And uh, Emily and Kitty Rose, we pray for Amber May and we, we are surprised she's still with us. And Lord, our prayer is that you would take her away peacefully, that her race will come to its end, that you will take her and you'll give her peace and that you'll keep her free from uh, pain at this time. Lord, we know that her days, our days, are in your hand. And all of them were planned before there were any of them. And so, Lord, we ask that you'll, you'll bless that little family and be with them at this time. Lord, we know that others experience bereavement and sadness and go through very difficult paths in their lives. And so often we have questions as to why. So often our faith is tested at the level of the foundation. But Lord, help us to to do what faith does, to cling on to God and who he is in our darkest times. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to have real faith in that when it is tested, when it is refined, that it will come out as gold that glorifies you. And Lord, as we look at the wider picture in this world, sometimes we can question whether you really are in control and reigning. And yet, Lord, we remember again that our understanding is so limited. Our awareness and our view is limited by the walls of this building, so we have no idea the big picture that you are working out. And so, Lord, help us, like Asaph, to, as he came into your house, to be with your people, everything or so much, became clear in his thinking. He'd gone so astray in his misunderstanding of God and who, how he thought God should work. And yet when he came into your presence, he realized that you were his everything. That you were the one to cling on to in faith. That in your presence, things were made clearer. And Lord, we look forward to that day when we are with you in your glory when so much will be made clear. When we'll have counted up the sufferings and difficulties of this present world and put them on the scale of the glory that is to be revealed and find that there's just no measurement to measure of our suffering and of our loss. And yet, Lord, we thank you that you're a God of compassion. You are a shepherd that leads and you will lead us however small however large our sufferings may be, that you'll be with us and watch over us. And we thank you for that. Lord, we pray this morning for Reuben and Kathy Saywell as they move to the Philippines in the next couple of weeks. A huge step for them to leave everything behind, their family, their life here, to go and serve you in the Philippines as missionaries. Lord, we pray that as they say their goodbyes, that you'll bless them, that you'd help them in this great move. Lord, we pray that you'll prepare their hearts for what is ahead of them. Lord, we pray that you'd bless them and make them a great blessing. We pray that there'll be many people who will be saved in that area of Bulacan where they will be seeking to plant churches. We ask your great blessing on them. Lord, encourage them. Bless them with their young family too. We pray that you'll provide for what they need. 
Lord, we pray for James and Rachel in Cyprus and others who work alongside them there. We thank you for that church there and pray your blessing on them today. We think of Rosie in Papua New Guinea and Lord, we ask that you'll encourage her and bless her today, we pray. We pray for Christians in the Ukraine and surrounding countries. We pray for Christians in Russia. And Lord, we ask that in this turmoil, in this devastation and destruction, once again we pray that the light of the gospel will shine brightly. That people coming to desperation will turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that Christians there will be bold, will be strong, you'll keep them safe, and that you'll make them a great blessing in this terrifically difficult time. So Lord, now as we turn to your word, we thank you that it has the power to change us, give us obedience to listen to your word and to act upon it, we pray. And bless each one of us here as we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we said at the beginning that our, our first priority of being here is to worship God and to make much of Jesus. And surely our second priority is that God's word has a profound effect on our lives. How could the resurrection of Jesus not have an effect on our lives? And yet, how often do we uh, leave our time here this morning and, and really not a huge amount has changed? Uh, we're busy with life again. And so our next, our next song is really a prayer to pray for ourselves, pray for each other, that God's word will have a great impact on us, that it will be life-changing, that we'll have the obedience to, to change what needs changing in our lives, to walk closer with God and to greatly benefit from our times as we meet here this morning. Part of the chorus says, Teach me, open up my eyes with truth to free me, light to chase the lies. Lord Jesus, let me meet you in your word.
Well, just before we uh, dive into uh, the passage with that prayer in mind, I just want to flag up uh, uh, a special Sunday coming up in four weeks' time, four weeks today. It's Easter Sunday, so that's always a, a special day. But the thought for this year in the light of the Passion for Life uh, momentum and initiative is to make a special focus for inviting people here on Easter Sunday. We're going to have uh, two services on that day. You'll see them advertised there on that PowerPoint. The 10.30 Easter family service and then the evening service at half past six. And the evening service will be a little different. We're going to pick up the theme of life from the Gospel of John. Uh, People are thinking about life. Uh, People are thinking about life after death. People are thinking about, is there life before death? The whole theme of life. And we're going to be looking at that from the Gospel of John, but the message will be a bit shorter given the circumstances of an invitation event. We're also hoping to have uh, one or maybe a couple of people interviewed about what uh, the Easter weekend means to them personally. And as a, a treat as well at Easter, we'll also have puddings afterwards as the refreshments. So do uh, think about uh, who, who, who might be willing to come, who you can invite to uh, one of those services, or both of those services, one of those services on Easter Sunday. And in the build-up, we're going to use some of the Passion for Life publicity, which has been produced, which has this theme of life in. You'll see it in the, the bottom one there. They have these glowing life light bulbs somewhere on an everyday scene. And we're going to be using those over the next few weeks, They're going to be um, on the Forest Fold Facebook page. So if you have that, you'll be able to see them there. And as the the days, weeks go by, we'll put a bit more information on different ones. And you can share those. So if you look at it on the Facebook page, those of you who are into Facebook, you can share that page to uh, allow your friends also to be interested in the the build-up and in the events as we encourage people to be thinking about life. We're also hoping to produce some invitation cards, which will be replications of that, which will be available and useful here and through some of the groups and events that we have. So I wanted to flag that up for you for four weeks today. But now we do dive into our passage. Uh, We're in Luke 24. I didn't hear what the page number was. I I missed that. If anyone's got a a church Bible open on Luke 24, Sorry? 885. So if you've got a church Bible, maybe you've got your own app or your own Bible, but if you've got a church Bible, we're on 885. Well, last week we saw uh, the angels giving their message. He is not here, but has risen. We saw that fact of Jesus rising again, dawning on the women. We also saw that the disciples were sceptical about what the women said. But there was Peter who ran, con, ran, who went to the tomb a bit confused. Actually, more happened to Peter within the hours after that, which, we will, which will emerge as we carry on through this morning. But for us now, we're going to join a pair of disciples... These disciples are leaving Jerusalem. They're envisaging a single journey to uh, a place called Emmaus. It was seven miles away, we're told, in verse uh, 13. 
It was seven miles away, so it was about from here to Maresfield or here to Rusthall or here to Mayfield. So that was quite a walk that they were undertaking. Before we join them, it's just good to consider this, which will help us as we go through this this morning. What would you say, or or can I put it as a question like this, would you say that you have come to terms with the resurrection of Jesus? Would you say that you believe it? Would you say that it has an impact on your life? What difference has it made to you? Has it affected, does it affect your thoughts, your outlook, your mood to some extent, your purpose and direction in life? Would you say that? Has, does that day affect this day? Keep these thoughts in your mind as we go through. Well, this account is, is a great account of the risen Christ. It's about Christ's resurrection. It is the first time we come across Christ appearing in the Gospel of Luke. And so it is stunning, it is stunning for that reason alone. But as well as being an appearance of the resurrection of Christ, it also gives us some insight into how believing in the resurrection affects our lives or should affect our lives. The the impact it makes if we grasp the fact that Jesus is risen again. And as we go through... This account, this lovely account, oh, I love this account. As we go through this account, and we, as we see what happens, we notice some changes in this pair. And we'll also notice what seems to be key to that change, what causes that change. And that might help and encourage us in our own reactions. It might help us see the importance of the resurrection. It might help us to see how that should change our own lives. So, let's join this couple as they walk out of Jerusalem. They are disciples of Jesus. Uh, When the women brought the news to the disciples back in verse 8, there was an all the rest, and I think these are probably part of all the rest who were there on that occasion. We know the name of one of them, it was Cleopas. Uh, The other, we don't know the name of. It could well be his wife, because they seem to be heading back to a home together, but we don't know that. It might just be another disciple. Now, why are they walking to Emmaus? Well, we're not told specifically, but it looks like it might be their hometown from what happens later on. And we also wonder if things are actually breaking up a little bit in Jerusalem, that some of the disciples that are with the eleven are starting to disperse, wondering what has happened, discouraged. And I don't think there was much of a bounce in their walk as they're walking along this country lane towards Emmaus. But two remarkable things happen. The first was that Jesus drew up and walked with them. We're told that in verse 15. This is amazing, because Jesus had died, and yet he has now risen, 
risen and walking, undertaking a long walk with them. It's also, I think, wonderful that Jesus chooses to draw alongside fairly ordinary disciples. In fact, he still, through his spirit, delights to draw alongside ordinary disciples. So, amazing thing is that Jesus there drew up with them. The second remarkable thing, however, is that they didn't recognise him. They didn't recognise him. They had, if you like, dim eyes. They had dim eyes. It says in verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognising him. And if you read this passage, thought about it as I've been this week, you think, well, what, what, what does that mean? Their eyes were kept from recognising him. It's not the only time it happens in the resurrection appearances. Was Jesus so different? Possibly it was a bit different. Resurrection body. But not so significantly. They recognise him later and elsewhere. Is it because they're so upset and down that they can't see who it is? Well, possibly, but it's broad daylight and they're with him for a couple of hours. The word kept implies God restraining them. They need God's help to understand and to recognise Jesus and to realise what's going on. In many ways, it is a lived-out picture of what else has been happening in the Gospel of Luke. So last week, we looked at something in chapter 18, where Jesus had foretold the things that were going to happen about his death and his resurrection And then it follows in verse 34, but they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. They need, we need God to open our eyes to understand what's happening. This has been illustrated and driven home in this account. Well, they were also despondent walkers This is how they're described in verse 17. And they stood still, looking sad. Looking sad. Jesus was with them. The risen Jesus was with them. And yet they haven't grasped it and they were downcast. You could tell it in their faces. Sometimes it's like that with us, isn't it? If only we we knew that the Lord was with us and what was really happening, we would feel different about the circumstances that we were in. Well, Jesus asked them what they're talking about. Well, what are they talking about? It's obvious, isn't it? What, What is everyone else talking about? You get times when people are all talking about the same events. On my walk this morning, I talked over a fence to a a friend and, uh, well, what did we talk about? Well, COVID came up because he just tested positive. Uh, Putin came up. The resurrection actually came up and he said he'd like a bit of resurrection in his garden, which wasn't looking too good. 
but it's the, the Putin, the coronavirus, the things that everyone, the talk of the town, the coffee breaks, the socials. And what was it then? It was the events that had happened over that weekend in Jerusalem. The talk of the town, the subject of the city. Jesus wants to bring them out. So he says, what things? What things? What is everyone talking about? And we see in their response that they are confused talkers. They tell him about the situation as far as they see it. And uh, it's a, a good in parts but inadequate summary of the situation, but it's what they believed at the time. I don't know if you can say this much or whether you can say more. It comes out in verse 19, he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him, But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find the body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So they're, they know bits, but they're confused and they're downcast and they're, they're perplexed and they don't understand that they, they, we had hoped, you see their hopes are dashed, they had hopes for Jesus and what he would do and that, that doesn't seem to have worked out. Dashed hopes are hard when we think this is going to happen, when we think that's going to happen and, and it all gets knocked. They're discouraged, they're despondent, they're disconsolate. But the women had seen angels and said this and, and there was no body there. And, but they're sad. That it's, the penny's not dropped. They don't understand what is happening. Instead of being ecstatic at the news of the angels, they're, they're perplexed. Instead of having smiles on their faces, there is frowns across their foreheads. And... Uh, Jesus puts them right. Whatever was meant about their eyes being restrained, they're certainly responsible for a a poor response to the situation, an inadequate response. Because this is what Jesus says to them, verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? They had slow hearts, slow of heart. They didn't believe. They hadn't grasped. They needed to realise what the Old Testament taught about Jesus and about the Messiah and what would happen to the Messiah when he came. Jesus' suffering was not a failure, it was fulfilment. Okay, it was not embarrassing, it was essential. 
Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer? The patterns, the principles, the prophecies of the Old Testament pointed to this, Jesus is saying. And you know, when when we're perplexed and when our hopes are dashed and when we're confused, it is often because we haven't grasped what the Bible teaches in a proper way. So this is... This is the situation as Jesus draw. Of course, we know Jesus has drawn across. We're, we're in on that, but that, they don't know that at this stage. But as Jesus draws along them, as we see their mood and their words and their reactions, we see dim eyes, we see despondent walkers, we see confused talkers, we see slow hearts. And what's going to turn this around? What's going to turn this around? Well, Jesus being alive is obviously a big part of it. Christ's resurrection, he's there talking to them. But there are two other things in this passage which make such a big difference. And they both actually occur twice in the passage, so you know that's important. And I think they're going to help us as well if we're on the left-hand side of things. This is the first. The scriptures, the Bible, the scriptures are opened to them. What a walk they're going to have. Wouldn't you have liked to have a walk like that? Doesn't that beat any other Sunday afternoon walk? It's like a Bible overview on foot. Verse 27 we've got to now. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus still hadn't told them who he was. We might say, we might think he's going to say, it's me, I'm I'm here, I'm alive, don't you recognise me? But he deliberately doesn't do that at this point. He wants them to be well grounded in understanding what the Old Testament is going to teach. They'd be in a better place to accept it at that point. So he takes them through so much of the Old Testament and explains that it is pointing to him. Well, I don't know if you've had a chance to pick this up yet. But it's an it's a, it's a, it's a exhilarating thing, I would say, to pick up the way in which the Old Testament clearly, continually points to Jesus. I was just thinking briefly through it yesterday. I started to think through the Old Testament books in my mind. Does Genesis point to Jesus? Yes. And I understand in Rooted, that's one of the things you're picking up in coming weeks Jesus in Genesis. Does Genesis point to Jesus? Yes. Does Exodus point to Jesus? Yes. We've been reminded of that this morning in the children's talk. Does Leviticus? Yes. Does Numbers? Yes. Does Deuteronomy? Yes. Does Joshua? Yes. Does Judges? Yes. Does Ruth? Yes. Does 1 Samuel? Yes. Does 2 Samuel? Yes. Does 1 Kings? Yes. Does 2 Kings? Yes. It all points to Jesus. If you like, Jesus is like the magnetic north of the Old Testament. Everything points to him. Tells us he's coming, what he's going to be like. 
It's, I remember doing a children's talk here once when I had a, a Bible and I had lots of little signposts and I put them at different points in the Old Testament and on the signpost was was a signpost with Jesus written on and the children got them out, about 20 of them. They were all in there and some of the major signposts. The Old Testament points to Jesus. I start to realise this more and more. And as we understand Christ's resurrection and we see it in the light of the whole of the Bible, that will be such a firm footing for our faith. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to do a Bible overview. Uh, some of you have done it in a sort of Bible study group. There are books, God's big picture and things that do it. It's well, it's, as I say, it's exhilarating to see the overall plan of the Bible and the way it points to Jesus. Well, so that's one thing that's going to be key. There's, a, there's another thing. Now, they eventually arrive at this village, Emmaus. They think that Jesus is going to walk on further, um, and they are enjoying this far too much, and they've got a strong sense of hospitality, and the sun is going down, so they, there's a strong urge from their part for Jesus to stay. Verses 28 and 29. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is now toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. While the food is ready, and they sat at the table, and Jesus, though he's the guest, turns into the host, it seems. And he gives thanks and breaks the bread. Here's what happens, 30 to 31. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognised him. Now I've been thinking, perhaps you are, why is this so key? why, Why does this become such a significant point? when he's at the table, when he's giving thanks, when there's a distribution of the food. I think we can summarise it. Difficult when you're only giving two words to get into a box, but I wanted to keep it all together. I think we can summarise it. It's Jesus giving. There's a lot more to it than that. Why was it when, when Jesus gave thanks for the food and distributed it, why was that the moment that they then recognised him? Well, it may have been partly because they saw his hands. And there were nail prints in his hands. We'll come to nail prints later on, the following week. And that was very significant in realising it must be Jesus. Look, nail prints. But also, the way in which he did things had a sense of deja vu about it. It made some links. It reminded them of other things. It reminded them more again about Jesus. There's a pattern here of taking, blessing, breaking, giving in that verse. Took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. When else has that happened? When else have they seen him do that? 
feeding of the 5,000. Back in Luke 9, verse 16. Dipping into one verse from that account. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they're reminded of that amazing miracle where he provided for so many. The power and the compassion that he had. His provision is is able to give people what they really need with that bread. Hmm. And I wonder if they made another link. This time at the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, Luke 22, verse 19, when it says this, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them. You see, you have that same pattern. And as they saw him do it, I think it reminded them of him in his power, his provision, his care, his ability, his leadership, and the fact that he was going to the cross, which would be so key in him, giving true life to those who believe. So they're reminded of Jesus' giving at the table in their house in Emmaus. And it straightens out their thinking. And maybe as you recollect Jesus' giving, feeding of 5,000, Last Supper, Lord's Supper, pointing to his death, his hands going to the cross, maybe it starts to put everything properly into place for you. So this triple lock, Christ's resurrection, scriptures open, Jesus giving. Transformational. Transformational. It has a massive impact on them. It should have a massive impact on us. Well, what difference does it make? We're going to pick up the pace now for the last bit. What difference does it make? Well, firstly, the dim eyes become open eyes. Verse 31, at the end, it says this. And their eyes were opened and they recognised him. They say later on in verse 35, how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. Their eyes were opened and we do need the Lord to open our eyes. The facts are strong, they should be believed, but there's a spiritual darkness uh, avowed so often and we need the Lord to open our eyes. And he uses his word, especially by his Spirit's work, to open our eyes. It's a good prayer. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things out of your law, as the psalm writer prayed. Their eyes were open. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I found was blind, but now I see. Jesus had gone mysteriously, it says. He disappeared from them. But instead of being taken up with his disappearance and where he's gone, as you might expect, they rather reflect on their on-foot Bible study that they'd had that afternoon. And this is what they say in verse 32. 
they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? And you see they have burning hearts. They realise their hearts have started to burn as they've had the Bible opened and as Jesus has talked to them. Well, the resurrection of Jesus combined with the understanding that the Bible brings leads to excited hearts, leads to alive hearts, leads to warmed hearts. And don't you find that? That when you understand more about Jesus and the resurrection, that your heart warms. Isn't that one of the plus points of coming here to the services, that you find that your heart is warmed and burning as you hear the truth? As you have a group Bible study and you get insights, don't you find that your heart burns as you understand truth? They now have burning hearts, not slow hearts. And then what do they do? What do they do at this very time? I called it day return to Emmaus. They intended it to be a single journey to Emmaus. And it's now running late. But with things dawning on them, there is a reaction. They've already walked over 10k, but they decide to head back to Jerusalem. It becomes a return journey. And you have also energised walkers. These despondent walkers are now energised. They're not despondent, they're not sad, they're not sluggish. There's a spring in their step. There's a sense of purpose about them. They have a message to pass on. And what a transformation you get then in this couple at Emmaus. They've understood about Jesus, they've understood the word, they've understood what he gives, and they're heading back. And I've seen it happen when people have become Christians for the first time. They want to head places. They want to tell people and they want to mention to friends and they want to mention to family because it's made so much difference to them. There are energised feet because they know the gospel of peace. And then they arrive at Jerusalem. And when they see the eleven, we have confident talkers. We have confident talkers. In fact, there is a sense of certainty in what's said on two fronts. The disciples have a message for them. Simon Peter had earlier in that day, Simon is also Peter, had earlier in that day seen the risen Lord. And that's what they mentioned to Cleopas and uh, and Co. as they arrived. Verse 34, they found the eleven, they were with him gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed, has appeared to Simon. There's still a little bit of confusion. We'll see that as we go through later on um, to other parts of this chapter. But they're, they're, they're definite about this. The Lord has risen indeed, certainly. And then our two from Emmaus, well, they've got something to say as well. Verse 35, then they told what had happened to them on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. So the resurrection, understood in the light of the Bible, 
realize linked with the character of Jesus and what he does and what he did on the cross leads to a massive change. Leads to a massive change. Should lead to a massive change. Dim eyes, open eyes. Despondent walkers, energized walkers. Confused talkers, confident talkers. Slow hearts, burning hearts. I asked at the start, have you come to terms with the resurrection? Does it make an impact on you? Does it affect your mood and outlook and purpose? Well, it did for these guys in Luke 24. And it should too for us. They return to Emmaus. Well, we're going to sing a song now, which is a a song which responds well and really asks God to open our eyes and to teach us Christ from the Bible. And then after that, we've got the, the, the happy part of a service to give thanks for a baby down the front. So let's sing our last song. God, in his wisdom, for our learning, gave his inspired and holy word. Do sit down and do come more central. Yeah, sit there would be great. Splendid. Well, it seems a little while since we've had a privilege like this to give thanks to for a little one down the front, but it's our joy today to have Josh and Jade and River 
and Esther down at the front here. And what a name, Esther. I think it's a good name. (laughs) So we're going to be giving thanks for Esther Psalm Aubrey Young. And at times like this, I like to read a verse uh, from the Bible to encourage uh, a family and uh, for the help uh, to help us all. Uh, I'd also heard that um, Josh had uh, had some thoughts from the Bible that he jotted down, so I thought it'd be handy to have those. I asked him a couple of weeks ago uh, for them, but, but Josh is a, a busy man, and the the email didn't come. So I was thinking of a, a psalm uh, to to refer to this morning. And I uh, thought that would tie in well with a second name, Psalm. And uh, I, my mind went to Psalm 139 and verse 14. Psalm 139, verse 14, which says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's what David uh, says as he thinks of the fact that God has made him, formed him in the womb, that God is his maker, and he praises God, he finds it a wonderful thought, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's what we do this morning, in a way we we praise God for the wonderful creation, the wonderful gift of Esther, and we hope and pray that as she gets older, she'll feel like this herself and be able to say this too. Psalm 139, verse 14. Well, yesterday evening I got Josh's email. And it said, Hi John, you asked about the scriptures we picked out for Esther and I've checked my notes. There are a few actually which I'm writing out for her with the hope they would be important for her later in life. One of which includes Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. Such an important thing to be aware of for young people for many reasons. So I hadn't told him where my mind had got to and he emailed me exactly the same. In fact, he said four verses, so I'll I'll give you the full rundown. I'll need my glasses for this. I'll give you the complete four verses that he referred to. For you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. So... Doubly great verse for our minds this morning, praising God because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. So I'm going to give thanks for Esther. If, if, she, if she cries a little bit, I just have to get a little bit louder. But we want to give thanks and pray together, don't we? Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we do praise you. We give praise from our hearts with a sense of Uh, amazement and joy, uh, new life, uh, new life formed inside, uh, new life born. We thank you for this precious little gift of Esther. We thank you for her birth. We thank you for her doing well. And we pray for her. We pray that you'd bless her 
in these early days, that you might bless her in her body, in her mind, and as she gets older, we pray that you would really bless her too, spiritually. We do pray for her, and we pray for River, that you would bless them together as a family, and we pray that they may grow up to love the Lord their God, to have their eyes opened, to know the joy of new birth, of being born again. Lord, we ask that you would greatly bless them. And we pray too for Josh and for Jade. Uh, With the extra joy also comes extra responsibility. We thank you for them, for their love for you, for their love for their family. We pray you'd help them at this pressurised phase of life. Help them in all that they do to have uh, wisdom and strength, peace of mind and love. Love for you love for each other, love for River, love for Esther, love for others beyond. Do help them by your spirit. So we do rejoice together and give thanks on this special occasion. Lord, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. There we go. We also ask for a a song for those, uh, a choice of him for those who are giving, who are giving thanks for the child. And uh, there was one, one, one verse particularly on uh, the mind of Josh, I assume Josh and, and Jade, uh, and that's praise God from whom all blessings flow. So rather than have it as one of our four, we've had it as an extra one which we're finished with this morning. So do stay sitting down, but sing with your hearts in praise to God for his goodness to them. We'll have just an introduction from the piano and then sing. Mm-hmm. 